Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and I'm so excited because I'm joined by truly one of my favorite people. This is Courtney Lewis. Hi, Courtney. Hello there, Sarah. You are also one of my favorite people, so it works out well. See, this is why we're friends. We both have a mutual love and respect for one another that all started because we started working with the city of New Albany, and you worked with the city of New Albany for how long? 11 years. It was that long? It was 11. Well, I was just shy of 11 years when I left. Um, I left in February. And if I would have stayed another month, it would have been 11 years. So 10 years and 11 months. Oh, my gosh. You just left what this year, correct? Yeah, February. Uh, Valentine's Day this year was my last day. See, Courtney is one of those people that I'm drawn to her because fantastic smile. Very funny. Um, constantly giving to others and supporting others. And one of my favorite things about you is that we seem to have a radar from one another. So if I go to downtown New Albany, I could be getting sushi somewhere. I could be walking into House of K and you spot me. Like, Some people consider that stalking. So I think that it's very kind <laughs> that you call it a radar. I mean, I don't feel like you're doing it on purpose. I feel like it's just truly right. the universe is like, and these two are going to see each other today. <laughs> exactly. It, it may, I, the one day, I think you and Mackenzie um, and maybe Bella were walking yeah. into DKD, and I was like, oh my God, like, I felt like I saw celebrities walking into DKD in downtown New Albany, and it made my ever loving day. See, it. The, that was a funny day. You were like, are you crossing this street right now? I'm like, <laughs> How can you see me? <laughs> what are you doing, crazy lady? But I love that. And that's honestly why, I mean, you and I are both Hoosiers, but that's why I, that's one of the things I love about downtown New Albany. It says, I know if I go down there, I'm going to run into somebody I know. Now I'm excluding the ones that are not fair to count. Like I obviously know store owners and I know they're going to be in there. So that's a little bit different situation. I'm not running into them by chance, but exactly. either way, it is truly a joy of mine to be able to wander about and see people that I know. And your love of New Albany started a long time ago because you're from, you were raised in New Albany, right? Yeah. I, I um, am born and raised. I left um, like my freshman year in high school. I lived in Florida for a year. Um, and then I lived in the Highlands for a year. I did that thing that I feel like everyone does when they're like 22 and they just want to do something different. And so me and a couple girlfriends moved to the Highlands for a year. But otherwise, it's been New Albany, apparently, till the day I die. <laughs> now, come on now. Okay, this is something good then to talk to you about. How much... Describe how much New Al downtown New Albany has changed just since you were a freshman in high school. Like, I know this, but to other people, it is night and day from what that used to be down there. Oh, it's beyond night and day. You know, I think when I was in elementary school or middle school or high school, I can't think of a time, honestly, coming downtown that wasn't Harvest Homecoming. So, you know, it was just, and at that time too, and for anybody that's not from around here, like Charlestown Road used to be kind of situated differently. So kind of the hub of Charlestown Road um, was too right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was night and day. It didn't go all the way out to Meyer, the movie theater. So like everything was pretty close and New Albany felt really small, but downtown was just not a place that you went. Um, and then definitely in the last 10 years, um, a lot of 
businesses have invested. A lot of people have invested in opening businesses downtown. The city's put a huge, here I am like, oh, the city. Um, but the city's really invested a lot um, and kind of changed the way, you know, I think changing the streets from one way to two way made a big difference. There are some of those like businesses downtown that people just flock to. Um, and it's just, it's a cool place to be. Like people come to downtown New Albany, not just for Harvest Homecoming, which is really, really cool. And like you said, you see people, um, there's always something to do pre COVID, you know, it was just the most popping place to be like even during the week. And I'm not super cool anymore. So I can't really do this whole weeknight out thing. But I mean, there were times where we would go to like the Earl and the standard and, you know, DKD and then rec bar open. I mean, it just feels like we are in some Hallmark movie of a town with cool stuff. It's like Hallmark meets like 90210. And he described as Hallmark meets 90210. I always am giving people, I am fighting back to anyone who was like, I don't want to cross the bridge. Oh, you're from Indiana. I'm like, listen, when was the last time you went to Southern Indiana? Because you can walk in a five block radius and see local businesses with local owners, anything from, I don't care if it's homemade olive oil to evening wear to boutiques, men's boutiques to bars to gourmet steakhouses. Like you've got something for everyone in downtown New Albany now. It's crazy. And actually um, the other night, um, my friend Jessica and I did the odd walk, which I don't know if you've heard the teacher or the guy who leads it was a teacher or is a teacher at Floyd central. Um, And I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. Um, But he knows all of this like really interesting, peculiar history about downtown New Albany and some of the buildings. And like, you're talking to a person who felt like they knew all the things there were to know. And I learned so much. It was so interesting. It was so much fun. So like the culture, it's not even just like bar restaurant shopping. There's culture. There are all these things to do that really, I think are giving New Albany its own special identity. So aside from the fact that like, I just like to stay home and stay local. Like I cannot talk enough about how amazing New Albany is and how much it's really evolved over well, the last and especially year. for you and I, I mean, yes, we are, I, I realize, yes, I grew up in Floyd Knox. Oh. You're, you're a bulldog. Well, I was a Highlander and meh. But <laughs> at the like end that. of the day, we represent Southern Indiana. Yeah. And especially in the year 2020, it's like our close friends are running those businesses down there. It's so, crazy. It's so exciting. It is so exciting. And I'm so proud of them. Like seeing how big of changes and how much growth they've had. I mean, heck, I think about Brittany at House of K. She turned her evening wear place that got wrecked by prom into a place where now she's making masks for everybody. That's where my masks came from. Mine too. (laughs) It's just, it's one of those things where I love the small town feel of it, which is why, again, I know that as soon as you and I met, I was like, okay, this one's going to be the one for me. (laughs) I was like, we're going to hang out. We're just soulmates is all. Yes. So that's exactly how I feel about it. So you went to college in New Albany. You grew up or you moved to Louisville for a year to be in the Highlands because, of course, that was a cool place we thought it was. So when did your career start to take off? Um, I don't know. It has it, honestly. <laughs> I don't. Um, 
you know, my first kind of big, I've really only had a couple jobs in my whole life. Um, my first kind of big girl job, I worked at the News and Tribune. Um, and that was just like, I started working there part time in college. Um, and then that kind of transitioned into me working in marketing and sales there for a little while. And then I was ready to do something different. Um, and my friend Nicole was just like, you should, there's this opening at the city. Sorry, my dog is <laughs> ready. You're fine. Um, she's like, there's this opening at the city and it's a good way to get your foot in the door. Um, and it was in the sewer office and it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't exciting. I wasn't effectuating anything except for people paying their sewer bills, which they did not want to do. So um, I'd been in there for maybe three or four years. Um, and I just felt myself that saying that people say, like, if you feel like you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Um, hmm. not that those ladies weren't smart by any means. I just, I was outgrowing the space. Um, and so I talked to, um, Shane Gibson, who was the city attorney, I think at the time or corporate counsel, whatever. Um, and we had, we had formed a really amazing work relationship. And I told him, I was just like, you know, I think I'm going to start looking for something else. And then he talked to the mayor and they created this space for me to really do the things that I love in New Albany. Um, so I became the director of outreach and engagement in maybe 2000 and something. Your brain, nobody told me that your brain goes to mush when you're pregnant. Pregnant <laughs> so oh, brain. It's a very bad thing. Um, but, uh, so I did that for several years. Um, and then I think I got kind of the same feeling probably late last year. I was really, I mean, I will forever be grateful um, to Shane and the mayor. I think there aren't a lot of situations, especially for women, where you get to create what you do, um, unless you're a, a business owner. If, if you want to go into business for yourself, I think that's really one of those spaces. But I was just fortunate enough that my hard work was recognized and my passion was recognized. And, um, you know, they didn't want to lose that amazing talent that I have for BSing my way through a lot of things. Um, so they created that position for me. And then late last year, I kind of felt the same bug that I'd felt years prior and that it was just time for me to do something else. Um, and the same friend, actually, Nicole Yates, was like, hey, there's this position available at the Louisville Metro Housing Authority. And um, the director reached out and you were the only person I thought of. And so I connected with them and then um, had to the, I, I would venture to say one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was quit my job at the city um, because it is such a family. It's a very unique work atmosphere. Um, you know, people who are in public service do not do it because they are getting paid big bucks. Uh, and, you know, I really, other than my family, I haven't been with anyone else for 11 years. So <laughs> yeah. you know, like we jokingly call Shane dad and it's just like, how do I tell my dad that I've got to leave? Um, so uh, I did that. And then um, now I'm the communications director for the... Louisville Metro Public Housing Authority. How's that going? You know, um, honestly, I wish I could say that I knew. It's going fine. I think I started on um, 
February 17th. And then I'd already had a trip to New Orleans planned for St. Patrick's Day. So I think we left March 15th, maybe. And then that's when everything started with the coronavirus. So literally, I get back home on St. Patrick's Day. And the next day I was working from home. So I worked there for like a month and got to know a handful of people and started kind of formulating what I wanted um, the communications plan to look like. And then it was just all reactive because we have to, you know, we house 14,000 families that we're trying to make sure that they're healthy at home, that they have all the things they need. Um, And it was a lot to learn and try to, try to learn and communicate at the same time. So I think hopefully once things um, kind of calm down and we settle into what it's going to look like to work in this environment in general, um, I think I'll probably thoroughly enjoy it. It's, it's fine right now. It's just, I don't have any baseline to go off of, you know, you know, that's super. You bring up a really interesting point. You were in a situation where you actually luckily started a new job and obviously kept it, but to not have made those connections. Like if you were in your prior job with the city of New Albany working from home, it would be a completely different situation or feeling right now. It's like you have to do zoom call. I was thinking about school, for instance, if you don't have a t- bond with your teacher and your classmates already, and you're just going on zoom calls with all these people, it's a lot harder to start relationships that way. Oh my gosh. So- it's incredibly difficult. And like, because, you know, when I was at the city of New Albany, I very rarely had to ask a question. I didn't know because I'd, acquired all of this base knowledge about just how things work um, and what the functions are for all these different departments. And I had every intention of like starting there and having a good six months to really learn every function and then be able to determine what we needed to communicate like externally and what stories needed to be told. And I have to ask somebody every single question. Like there is almost nothing that I can just know the answer to. And that's so much easier when you have a relationship with people. I basically have like one work friend so far. She's super cool. I love her. Um, but like, that's all the time. I had, like I had three weeks to make one friend. <laughs> like She, everything's so specialized. She doesn't know every question or every answer to every question. So it's a lot of like email introductions or I saw you on that zoom or, like, <laughs> you know, it sounds a lot more creepy when you're like, you haven't met some of these people before, but I mean, everybody's been very friendly and really like easy to work with considering the circumstances. So, but yeah, it's definitely, um, a story that I hope to remember one day so I can tell my, my grandkids how crazy it was during this time. It has been just ridiculous. And by the way, we skipped over something that is while technically not a paying job, I would say, I would venture to say it takes up more time than, or did last year. Uh, You were heavily involved with, Oh, I don't know. A little thing called harvest homecoming homecoming. I would say that I was only moderately involved. I, people just heard me talk more than everybody else. <laughs> what is your role at Harvest Homecoming? So I am the chairman of the board for Harvest Homecoming. Um, and the way that our structure works, we have a board, we have vice presidents. I'm also technically a vice president of the best event that there is, the Harvest Homecoming Luncheon. Um, it is a great event. <laughs> so um, I'm on our executive team, chairman of the board, and then I'm a vice president. Um, and just like a lover of Harvest Homecoming in general. But yes, 
that. So when you first got that job, actually, you and I were talking about this just before we started. You did something and were the very first person to do what when you became the chairman of the board? I was the very first African-American to be um, at the head of Harvest Homecoming. How did that feel for you? You know, that's... (laughs) I think it feels great, um, probably more so for my family, I think. My um, my dog doesn't think I'm that cool, obviously, and he just wants all my attention. Um, you know, I think for me, I try not to – it's so weird to say now. I don't know. I, I try not to put a ton of weight um, – into some of these things. Like very often in my life and in my career, I've been the only woman or I've been the youngest person or I've been the only black person. Um, And I feel like for me, if I put a lot into that, knowing myself, I would have an ego the size of all outdoors. (laughs) Some people may um, think that I already do, but no, um, I think as time goes on, and especially the climate that we are in now, um, I think I feel more grateful for these opportunities that I've earned, but also hopeful that it opens the door for there to be more black people or more women or more young people involved in things. I mean, I know that my family was incredibly proud of it, and I'm, I'm proud of it too, but you know, I didn't go into it like I'm going to be the first black person that does X, Y, or Z. Um, I just went into it like I love Harvest Homecoming and I would really like to make sure that I leave my mark on it in some way. Um, hopefully that's creating space for more inclusion and more diversity and um, making everything more fun and loving. But, um, you know, I think me being black is just like, I'm black every day. It's pretty cool. But, you know, I just, I I don't, I try not to lead with that a lot because I feel like it's obvious in the way that I live my life. You know, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. You don't want to, like, your work is what got you to that position. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. If it's well, obviously, that, I don't think we would have that unless people trusted you the way that they do. And I know that they do. I mean, I remember that news article coming out and I was just like, of course, because she kicks ass. Like, that's Courtney Lewis. That's just who you are in so many ways, um, which is incredible that you've accomplished so much at a young age. I mean, growing up in New Albany, do you feel like being young or being a woman or your race was ever held against you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think, um, you know, and I used to say this thing all the time. I'm like, man, like, I don't know if it's more difficult being black or more difficult being a woman. Um, because, you know, I have also lived, um, my, I'm very light. And I think unless people, um, study it or understand it or, or it's part of their life. Like there's a lot of colorism within a lot of cultures. Um, and being black in America is no different, but I'm very light. So my experience is so much different than, um, some of my family members or some of my friends, um, who are darker than I am. And I've thought about it more recently. Um, just as things are evolving in the world. But there were definitely, like, I remember the very first time I was called the N word. 
I think I was like seven or eight. I was jumping on my friend's trampoline. This little girl rode her bike down the alley and she yelled it over the fence. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no way she's talking to me. But I was the only person back there. (laughs) And I was just like, so like things like that, they really do develop with you. Like you're not, you're never able to let go of those things. Um, And that's just my experience. So I can only imagine what it's like for someone who has a much more um, difficult or complex experience than that. So like, yes, me being black, definitely. I think there were um, things probably that I didn't realize as much as a child, but also like, as I've grown up being a woman, I mean, it's freaking hard. Like even professionally, I feel like there have been so many situations where my opinion has not been listened to, or it's been, um, minimized. And I'm a strong opinionated person, you know, that like, if I have something to say, I'm going to say it, but that then turns into me being a bitch or being difficult because, you know, I'm not going to let some things go. And I think that women are kind of conditioned to pick their battles way, way more than men are. So, you know, for men, they're just being assertive, but we're bitches. So I think that I've definitely experienced, I don't know if they've often been in tandem, um, I know my youth has also, it also doesn't help. And I'm not going to complain about this. I look much younger than I am. And so I think sometimes people are like, I don't know what this teenage girl thinks she knows about anything. <laughs> like, oh my God. And it's just like, you're right. I don't have any experience. I mean, I've only been, you know, doing these things for, you know, probably 12, 12 years or so, probably close to 15 years now. So like I have experience. It just doesn't look like it. And, um, I'm pretty intelligent and know what I'm talking about frequently, but I'm a girl. So are you sure? And shouldn't I just like look to a man to affirm that I'm correct. And you know, the, when you add me being black to it, I think everything's hit me at once, but I also don't the same way that I don't hold on to those things when I'm doing good things. I don't hold on to those things when someone doubts me either. Like, you definitely strike me as a person that I dare you to doubt me because I'm going to show you how wrong you are. And then yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to tell you stupid at the end of it too. So yeah, and then I'm going <laughs> to smile sweetly and skip away saying, I told you so. Exactly. Um, I, so I'm going to rewind back. I didn't know that there was a word called colorism. Yeah. I did not realize that that was truly a thing. I mean that, and as in that word, I mean, like I've I've heard my friends talk about it that are African-American. I just didn't realize that was such a real thing within the culture. Yeah. And you know, I think recently, um, I don't, I want to say like L'Oreal or some major, um, makeup brand. I think you're right with L'Oreal started saying that they're going to start removing whitening from their packaging and their, um, marketing because it just reinforces this idea of whiteness. And there are people I, to my knowledge, I do not know any of them, but there are people, you know, black people that are conditioned, especially women to think that lighter is more beautiful. Um, and so they use creams and bleaches and Lord knows what to try and make themselves fit this conventional idea of beauty, even within the black community. So 
it honestly blows my mind. It makes me sad. My sister and I had a conversation with one of my nieces and just like it, it affects that age. She's like 13. Like if she thinks about that and talks about that. And I'm just like, she, she told us one day, she was like, I wished I looked like you two. Cause my sister and I are both lighter. And I was like, Oh my God, I wish I looked like you. Like you just are the most beautiful color and all these things. But like, that's where the world is. Like they're teaching 13 year olds that, you know, if you're dark, that's not beautiful. And if you're, you know, taller, bigger, smaller, whatever, like all these physical things that we have no control over. So, but I mean, I think within the black community, colorism is probably at the very top of some of the internal issues that we have. What did you tell your 13 year old niece? We went on, this was a whole, we were on our way home from a basketball game. So we had about two hours to have this conversation, which I'm sure she thoroughly regretted bringing up. But, um, you know, we talked to her about how important it is to know yourself, because if you don't know yourself, other people will tell you who you are. And we talked to her a lot about the images and the people, you know, at her age that she follows on Instagram or TikTok or whatever the kids are doing now, but making sure that you have a diverse array of what you're taking in. Um, and two, that she could always talk to us because we lived through a lot of those things. My sister told some stories on that trip that I had never heard from her before and about how she was treated as a result of her being black when we were growing up. Um, And so I think it was very cathartic for all of us, but also very eye-opening, I know, for for Maggie and for me, because we just thought that kids, we were in this place, right? Like, it's 2020, so people don't do that anymore. People aren't, kids can be mean, but they aren't racist, right? So, I mean, I think it was just definitely, as a result, I think my sister has put in a lot more effort to teach her children about um, black history and like more than just what you learn at school. I picked him up one day to take him swimming and I asked him what they were doing. And my sister had him, they had to pick somebody, um, you know, a black historical figure and do a report on them. And I'm like, it is summer. What kind of child abuse is happening here? But after the fact, I was like, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Because we have to teach and make sure that we're giving positive influences and giving them like the the good as much as they're getting the bad in the world. We have to give them the good at home. You have brought up family a lot in the sense that you're around them a lot. So are you very close with your family? Oh, my God. They're my favorite people in the whole wide world. Like, I... I bet I talked to like my, I mean, I know I talked to my mom multiple times a day. Um, I talked to my aunt probably three or four times a week. I talked to my sister every day. I talked to my cousins. Like my cousin group text is one of my favorite things in the world that if anybody ever got a hold of any of our phones, they'd have to destroy them. Um, yeah, I mean, my godparents and that whole part of my family, they're, it is absolutely the center of who I am. Are they, in, so they're in Southern Indiana then? Yeah, I would have a hard time moving away um, further. I mean, even even the idea of like moving to Louisville is difficult because the people that made me who I am and that continue to mold my life, they are all 
basically in New Albany. I've got one uncle that lives in LA and my god sister lives in LA. But otherwise, like every human being that I love and I share DNA with lives in New Albany. So tell me this, how excited are they that you're getting ready to have a baby? I mean, let me tell you something, Sarah. I think they were all, I mean, I don't think, I know because they told me. They were just all resigned to the fact that I was never going to have kids. And so it is just like, like I'm having a family baby. Family (laughs) baby. Like I, me and this uterus are taking one for the team. So this whole group of people who made me can have a baby. They're so over the moon. Okay. So take me back to the beginning. How, like, I need to know, I don't need to know like how the baby was made, (laughs) but in general, so how far along are you? What's going on? Well, the stork dropped her off in my unit. Um, so I, the, the short and dirty version of this is, um, I dated a guy for eight years on and off and we, you know, that thing that's like, don't text your ex during the pandemic. Well, he texted me, he texted me in my defense. Um, we got back together for a hot second. Next thing you know, I'm having a baby. Um, but I am 16 weeks tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow's Thursday. So I'll be 16 weeks. Um, and I was one of those people. It's so funny. I was just having this conversation the other night about people who do not know they're pregnant for a very long time. Like they go to almost labor before they realize they're pregnant. I knew like two weeks. Like I didn't know. No, obviously, but I was just like, Oh my gosh. Like, and the funniest part of the story is like, he was like, Oh, I think it worked that time. And I was just like, shut up. Like, that's not funny and get off of me. But um, <laughs> sure, sure enough. Um, yeah. I, um, the, in the morning, like I'd read something a long time ago that said your, um, your pregnancy hormones are like strongest in the morning. So yes. I didn't want to take a test later in the day. So I took a test and nothing showed up. Like it didn't say positive or negative. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I had to wait until the Always get the digital test. Well, this is the last time this is happening, but okay. Okay. Um, But yeah, so I did it the next morning and I called him first thing and he was like, I told you so. I don't know why you, you know, took a test. I told you. And then um, I think I called one of my best friends. I called Kendra. I waited a little bit to tell my mom. I waited a little bit to tell my sister. I told like two of my good mom friends. Um, my, all my mom friends are also very excited. Like, oh, are, are you, are you, I mean, you can't change this, but are you glad it's with him? Because obviously you guys have a lot of history together. Um, you know, I am the type of person who thinks babies are blessings. Um, of course. I, I mean, I have a lot of political views, but in this situation, babies are blessings. Um, I am very happy that I'm having a baby at this point in my life. Um, and I think that anything like it was definitely made with love. So anything that brings us to where we are and having this little baby blessing is a blessing. So, um, do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? I'm having a girl. <gasps> Yay! Yeah. A little Courtney. A little <laughs> In my head, every time I picture her, she looks just like me as a child. So, <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's definitely been the craziest experience. I had had a miscarriage maybe five years ago. I think it was 20, maybe six years ago. And I wasn't like, I definitely wasn't, I'm a figure shit out kind of person. So regardless, um, and that's as a result of my family too, I come from a bunch of figure shit out people. Um, but I think that every, I I do think that like God and the universe work in all the ways that they're supposed to. So like whatever's supposed to happen at a time, regardless of whether or not I see why it's happening, it, it happens for a, a greater purpose. Um, and at that time it just wasn't right. So, but I never really thought about it, you know, and I think about that sometimes because I know that there are women who want babies so badly. And so, so like, honestly, at first I was like, I'm oddly for as uh, like bright and talkative and all these things. Like I'm oddly private about a lot of things. Um, yeah. And part of me for a little bit was like, man, I've got like a couple friends who I know really want a baby. And like, I felt bad. Like I didn't, I wanted to tell them, but like also didn't want to tell them. Cause I'm like, man, you know, this was like a happy accident and they've been trying. And so I think about things like that. Um, a lot. To be honest, I have done that before too. When I found out I was pregnant with my third, which was a surprise, I felt super guilty telling a couple of my friends that I knew that were struggling and had spent years yeah. and like, I didn't want to tell them everything. And, but you're right. It's like, at the same time, I don't want to say sorry for my blessings, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't want to flaunt it. But you know what? In every one of those situations I have found when I did tell those people, they were like, I never look at your blessing as like my burden. And right they were just as happy, but I do agree with you. I've definitely had that exact same thought when dealing with friends that have had fertility issues. It's like, you don't want to be like, well, you know what, that, that's just life. So. And I'm also like, you can, you can see this baby and play with this baby whenever you want to. Um, and you can treat it as your own baby. Like I just, you know, that was definitely pretty difficult, but I think other than that, like I've just, I don't know. It's just the craziest, most amazing thing. I feel like I've ever done like all the other stuff's cool. Um, but this is just, it's wild. There's, and I literally think about it every single day, how wild it is. There is nothing that can compare to feeling your body literally grow a life form. That is your flesh and blood. It's crazy. Is, it is. There is something I literally think women are magical unicorn superheroes because we can take something as small as an egg and one sperm and yeah. we can, our body knows how to grow it into a baby. And then that baby, you are a mother to that baby for all of eternity. There is nothing that can change that you are that baby's mom. And I've always told people the most spiritual thing that I've ever done is grow a baby and then have a baby. It is absolutely incredible. I'm a little nervous about the having the baby part, but so before we get to that, what's your favorite part about pregnancy so far? Like what's the thing that you're like, Oh my gosh, this is super cool. Other than the fact that like, duh, you're growing a baby. <laughs> um, Oh my gosh. What's super cool. Um, I, I'm already a sleeper. Like I'm just naturally if there is room for a nap, my sorority sisters are the first to tell you every time we have a gathering, if it starts at six, they know I'll be there at like eight thirty or nine because I'm taking a nap. Like I am just a 
constantly sleepy person. Um, and so I just, I sleep all the time. If I'm not working, it's so cool. And people don't care. And they're not like, Courtney, you're late or like Courtney. Well, plus there's nothing to do, but you know, why are you being lazy? Well, I'm growing a baby. (laughs) I'm just going to take all the freaking naps I want. Um, that is the glory of being pregnant with your first, all I was like all about the naps because I was exhausted. That was one of the biggest things that tipped me off that I was pregnant with my first was the napping and then the snacking. I was living my best life with baby one. With baby two, I was like, oh crap, I can't take a nap. I've got another child. To take. <laughs> See, that's why only, I mean, my mom stopped with perfection. She just had me. Um, and so I, I feel like that's probably going to be the route that I take unless the universe has something else planned. But yeah, man, like I just literally like I get up, I play with my dog. I work, I take, I eat snacks. I I sleep, I work, I take snacks. Like it's, that's all I do all day and it's not awful. So what has been the hardest part or like the weirdest part that you did not expect coming? everything else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and then everything, everything else. So the first thing that, um, really jumped out, I had terrible, terrible all day sickness, um, for like eight full weeks, (gasps) every single day. I was just seasick all day long. Sometimes I would throw up. Sometimes I wouldn't. The days that I wouldn't, I was like, God, I feel like if I'd just throw up, I'd feel better. But then I'd throw up and I would not feel better. Um, so that was pretty rough. Um, no one told me. And my, keep in mind, my sister has five kids. So like, oh, wow. Like, my sister is the expert. I literally, anyone who I'm social media friends with, like, my sister made this very sweet, very funny, which is very much like our relationship post about, you know, how I've seen it and she knows it all. So 90% of the advice will come from her and then she'll entertain 10% from the rest of you peasants. (laughs) So (laughs) she definitely um, knows it all, but did not tell me a lot of things and probably as not to scare me. Um, but I had really rough round ligament pain for a while. Yeah. And nobody told me that like, you can feel your uterus stretching into the rest of your body. I was like, what in the hell is happening down there? And I've never like the cramp, like I just thought I was cramping. So naturally I was like, something's wrong. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just your body stretching out, which is nuts. And then nobody told me that you don't poop. <laughs> well, you do, but some people more than others have to try. <laughs> I'm not like, so this is the funniest one day. This has happened a couple times. Um, I am, and this is for women and moms and all those things. So you're used to these gross things. I am like a very regular, like three times a day kind of girl, like can basically go anywhere. It doesn't bother me when I go, I go, I was getting like, oh my gosh, I know I I haven't pooped in days. And one day I was, I was just miserable. And like, so I was seasick. I couldn't poop. I was like sweating. And it had to have been hilarious. My poor dog it was the only person here. So like, he's probably like, what in the hell are you doing, woman? I'm like, 
penguin pacing around my kitchen without any pants on. And my mom calls me and she's like, Courtney, why are you out of breath? And I was like, I can't poop. And I'm pacing around the kitchen. She was like, your kitchen's not that big. And I was like, I've been doing it for hours. (laughs) Like, it was just probably the saddest, most embarrassing day of my life. But I got through it. I talked to one of my best friends, Sarah, Sarah Endler, Sarah Starks. You know, Sarah. Um, She's one of my other like go-to humans. And I called her and she was like, I drank a cup of coffee every day and I was so paranoid at first about, and I think probably, especially since I'd had a miscarriage before, like I just didn't want to do anything that could rock the boat. So I didn't take any, I wouldn't even take my allergy medicine for my first trimester, even though they said I could, I was just so nervous. I was also super, super, super weird about that. Um, But at the end of the day, I knew that (laughs) the doctor was like, listen, you have to go. So they were like, you can take Colace and that'll be okay, which is a stool softener. Or they were like for heartburn. I didn't want to take any heartburn medication with my third pregnancy. And my OB was like, you can literally permanently scar your esophagus from burning it too much with heartburn. You need to do something. Um, One of the very first lessons I learned and it was because of round ligament pain as well. Um, when I was pregnant with my first, I texted my friend Morgan, who is a labor and delivery nurse and a postpartum nurse. And she goes, don't you dare Google, because if you Google something, you're going to think the worst is happening. Oh, and then for like, sure. miscarriage. She was like, you text me or you text or call one of your mom friends. And that's how I figured out the same thing. I didn't know what round ligament pain was. I, no one tells you because I didn't even know what a round ligament was. Neither. Like, if someone told me like you may have round ligament pain, I'd be like, okay, cool. I don't know what that means until you literally, I remember I had to go out of town for my cousin's wedding and I didn't even tell people I was pregnant yet. And I was trying to walk down this street in like hot Springs, Arkansas. And I was like doubled over feeling like I was being stabbed in the overalls. It is. It's awful. awful. But I did not have that as bad with the other two. But then like, trust me, the whole like no one tells you about constipation. I had a friend who just had her first baby. She had to go get a hemorrhoid surgically removed during her pregnancy. (laughs) So, I mean, it can get worse. (laughs) That's so exciting. This is awesome. Everyone should get pregnant. I, everyone, it's so much fun. And the thing is, every pregnancy is different. Every labor is different. Just like every child is obviously different. But I mean, like you think your body knows what to do. And then you're like, what the hell are you doing now? Why are you doing this to me? And then you can't, I can't help but sometimes look at my husband and be like, I hate you. you." Yeah. Like, (laughs) so I will say this. I don't actually get to talk to many like first time pregnant women anymore. Um, do you, you clearly have a sister with five children, amazing best friends, but since we're already chatting, do you have any random questions or any, cause I'll tell you anything. I told people like, once you've been pregnant and have kids, no question is TMI. Nothing is off the table. I don't care if it's labor, delivery, fluids, boobs, whatever. You know, it's so funny too. Um, Casey, Casey Daly and I talk about poop regularly anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. She does talk about that a lot. Yes. And so like we've talked, like it's really been so amazing. And there have definitely been, I think those kind of emotional moments where I'm just like, what am I doing? I can't do this. Like, this is crazy. And then I'm not kidding you. Like somebody will text me. I've got like, this is just the strangest. I've never, ever, ever in my lifetime felt more supported and more in like a 
bubble of just like love <laughs> in the last like 15 weeks or whatever. Um, so like right now I don't have any questions. I feel like I need to read these books. I got a couple books. Um, everyone was like, Oh, you should get what to expect when you're expecting. That's the, I didn't get that. I got, um, okay. wanted like a more modern take. I, I've never read a book ever. And you're fine. I found it overwhelming. Yes. So I downloaded all, I had an app going every single time. Mm -hmm. And so I would read every week in my app, what my body was doing, um, what I could prepare for with the changes in my own body, what the baby was doing, what I should be feeling. Did you get the bump? Did I get the what? The bump. I didn't. I think the this. Mm, I think I've had the bump before, but I used one called Ovia, O V I A, okay. this last time. And then those always have great resources in them too, like foods that may or may not be safe, medications that may or may not be safe. Um, j- like there's even like support groups and chat rooms and stuff like that. So between the apps and then my friends. And I mean, luckily, one of my best friend's moms is the lactation consultant over at Baptist Health Floyd. And she's one of my longest running friends, godmother to most of my kids. I mean, I had a, access to a lactation consultant once I had the baby and stuff like that, um, which is, again, a lot of people don't have those resources. They don't have a sister with five right. kids. They don't have kids that have kids. So that's one of the biggest reasons like I even started this podcast because I had friends tell me, oh, breastfeeding was just too hard. I didn't know who to talk to. So I just stopped. And I'm like, you could have asked me. I don't care if you're not even that close to me. I would have reached out to you and like done anything for you. So I just wanted to create a safe place for women to, I don't care. Like you said, um, (laughs) talk about the constipation, a real thing. I can remember once during my third pregnancy, sending my husband to dollar general at like nine o'clock at night. And I said, go buy me prune juice right now. Cause I am angry and this is not going to end well for anyone. (laughs) Like, I don't want everyone around me to die, but if I don't poop for three days, it's liable to happen. Like, well, that's just not comfortable at all. And I think, you know, that's honestly like another thing that I was not prepared for just this like onset of discomfort. Like, I hate to tell you that's only going to get worse. worse. Yeah. Like, my, I've never, and I mean, you know me, Sarah, I'm well endowed as it is. These things are growing seemingly at a rapid pace. Um, They're sensitive all the time. I have to get into the shower backwards. Like I just, (laughs) no one said, you know, look, this is going to be beautiful, but it's also going to be terrible. There's nothing. I mean, yes, people always say you have that glow, but like when you're pregnant, I don't think you feel anything that means glamorous. No. Around 25 weeks, you may notice maybe 30 weeks an orangish liquid coming out of your boobs. Oh, so there's that. So don't be alarmed. If you look down and you're like, what is that? Or why do I feel like there's something wet in my bra? Um, that's normal. (laughs) There's, it is weird because it's literally orange, which is not a normal color that typically comes out of your body. I mean, that would, that would fit the rest of my life, but yeah, typically um, it doesn't happen to all women, but yeah, the, the boob thing, um, I, they do go back mostly, mm. um, but it's something to contend with for a while. Yeah. Um, I keep saying after this is over, they're gonna, I'm gonna have to get them nipped and tucked or whatever, like re- reduced. Reduction, yes, whatever. It's just whatever they can do. It just, it's, and my posture is getting awful. Like I can already tell, like, you know, and nobody's going to do about headaches. Like I used to have migraines all the time, 
Um, and I got my ear pierced for migraines and then I didn't have, I had one maybe like maybe two or three a year. I've had three since I've been pregnant and it's just like, and you can't take what you normally take. Well, I normally take, um, Excedrin extra strength because all of the prescription stuff makes me sick, but you know, it's just like, I don't want to take time. Like I don't want to take anything and, I understand like Dr. Wright had to tell me like you have to make sure that you're also okay because oh, wait, are don't. you at, are you at OBGYN Associates of Southern Indiana? Yeah. That's where I went. He's the best. Did you have him? I know that there's a few doctors there, but I've always seen right. I have Dr. Borden. All okay. three of mine were with Dr. Borden in that practice. I've spent many a days in that office. So um if you ever you know this and I know you have all the support groups, but if you ever need Anything ever whatsoever, nothing is ever off the table to me when it comes to helping a mom figure out what's going on with her body or her baby. Um, Cause God knows Google is terrifying. Yeah. So, I, I will not do it because I know I'm crazy. Um, well, and that will not if you don't Google something exactly right. Again, it's going to give you doomsday stuff when it's like, yes. okay, that's called round ligament or that's heartburn or that's normal. Yes. Um, so with that being said, Courtney, you are somebody that has been one of my favorite people. And I love when you start off as a client, someone that I'm just getting to know. And then we start getting a comfortable working relationship. And then you truly turn into a friend. Aww. And I know that's the case with you. And I'm so excited for this new chapter in your life on top of everything else going on with a new job, but I know you're going to be the best mom, a super fun mom too. I can sense that already about you. Yeah, I really and hope I'm a cool mom. You, oh, for, you're going to be a cool mom. So <laughs> thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. I cannot wait until I can hug and squeeze you again, but I will definitely keep you safe with you growing that baby. But if you ever need anything, I'm right here. Thank you so much.